Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Welcome Hello. back, everyone. I forgot to tell Amanda that she would start the podcast recording. I think Blair's upset that she didn't get to say hi because more is taking her and I hear her crying. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. This is how we're going to start today. We are so excited. We're just going to get right into it. So back in maybe when we launched, maybe last year, I don't know, time is just endless. I don't know. I, I'm uh, yeah. Like, yeah. We had uh, Jill Stolwell <laughs> on our podcast and that really plunged Amanda and I into just trying to get familiar with the brain and neuroplasticity and mm-hmm. how we're able to, I don't want to say like reprogram, but just build the neurons and different pathways. And it really launched us into this whole different area of, of how we could advocate for students. And one of the things that we wanted to do, which we are doing today, is to have a center director and a regional director from Stowell on our podcast to kind of talk about the day-to-day. Like, what is the program? How has it changed since COVID? And I'm thrilled that Chantel and Lauren, you're on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming. Hello. Hello. Yes. So Lauren, why don't you give a little bit of background about yourself? And then Chantel, if you don't mind doing a little bit of background after. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Sure. So my background originally, uh, many years ago, I was a classroom teacher um, that I actually started my career in education with the Stoll Learning Center when I was in my teacher Mm -hmm. credential program and went on to be a classroom teacher and did that for a few years. And I love working with kids. That was always my dream. But I, you know, I worked in the public schools and because I had worked at Stoll first, I feel like it ruined me a little bit. Um, (laughs) I had kids in my class that I knew, I mean, at Stoll Learning Center, we were able to help and, and they weren't A, being identified or didn't qualify for services or kind of were running, you know, just being pushed through the process. Mm -hmm. And eventually I became very disheartened with that experience and left the classroom. So when the Stoll Learning Center decided to open, they had one center for 25 years in Diamond Bar, California, and then moved to Chino, California, and then decided to open up in Orange County, uh, Irvine Center. And when they decided to open that, they offered me a position and I left. So left tenure, left, you know, wow. summers off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I went to go leave in Irvine and we opened in 2010. And I was there for 10 years and I love that work. I mean, just we built it from having two students. We started with one family two wow. students, all the way to, you know, 50, 60 students running about 300, 330 hours per week. I mean, serving quite a large population. And then in July, I had a baby. So I went out on maternity leave and this is kind of part of the plan during 2019 and 2020, the Stoll Learning Center opened two additional centers. And this is our plan to grow. I mean, this has been our plan all along. Eventually, we want to have centers all over the country yeah. um, doing this unique work. And so the plan when I came back from maternity leave, which I just did a month ago, was for me to take over as kind of director of clinical growth and operations and oversee all four centers. And that's when Chantel came and stepped into that role. And she's been running the Irvine Center now 
since July and has been doing an amazing job. So now my viewpoint is a little bit bigger. I am seeing students, but not as often as I could when I was director, but now I'm helping to support the directors and I'm able to interface with all four communities at all four of our centers. Oh, wow. So you're really seeing it from kind of a different perspective then, right? It's more like Chantel having the day-to-day. So Chantel, would you um, care to share kind of your background and how you found the Stoll Learning Centers? (laughs) Yeah. So I was a little bit on a different path, but when I first started, I was actually studying psychology and social behavior. And I actually wanted to go into like marriage and family therapy, maybe some Mm -hmm. school counseling or something like that. And I worked with students who had behavioral issues and then left that. And then I found Stoll and it just changed my perspective of everything and what I wanted to do and just a newfound passion for me. I always thought I wanted to work more so with adults, but then it really opened my eyes up to a whole new population that I wasn't aware of that needed to be served. And I just haven't left ever since. So so here I am. Yeah, I mean, that's basically my journey here. It's just been so interesting because working here, very much like Lauren changed just the way I saw students. And then everywhere I went, whether it was with my family members or with friends or, you know, students at Disneyland or kids at Disneyland, (laughs) you know, I can't unsee what I see, you know, after working here. And it's like, wow, there's so many people who need the work that we do. Yeah. You're still kind of doing what it is that you thought you were going to do. And you're preventing these students from getting to that point where, you know, they're having difficulties as adults. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, how much do we know that, kids who struggle in school, it affects their entire life often. Absolutely. So I've been here for several years now and just, you know, I started as a clinician working under Lauren, kind of gradually made my way around it. So it's been really fun and kids are great. So can you give a, just a brief summary of what is done at one of your learning centers? Yeah, so we work one-on-one with students and adults who have learning and attention challenges. Um, we The process that we take them through is they often come to us and then we start off with an assessment, a functional assessment, where we look at weak underlying skills while remediating or looking at higher level skills as well. Um, so basic academic skills like reading, writing, spelling, math. So they come to us, we do a functional assessment looking at all of those areas, and then we kind of give them like a roadmap or, you know, what the challenges we saw, programs we think will help, how long we think it's going to take, all that stuff. And then typically, once they start with us, that's when we they work one-on-one with their primary clinician, we call them. And then oftentimes, they have different programs because we customize our programming depending on what the students' needs are. Lauren, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I mean, it's unique and it's tailored. You know, a lot of interventions have like kind of their one program, you know, one stop shop. What And when Jill was on the program, I'm sure she explained kind of this continuum based approach to correcting learning challenges. So for because we have listeners and I don't have a visual, I'll, I'll kind of go over it briefly of just if you think about brain development and functioning like a ladder. So there's bottom rungs and they're kind of the foundation and they support higher rungs. Well, at the very top of the ladder would be functioning, you know, kind of behavior, academic skills, 
that's where students are expected to perform. Those are often the symptoms that you see when a child is struggling. You're looking, how are they doing in school? How are they functioning? You know, behavior, things like that. We really work at those bottom rungs of the ladder, so that are supporting those higher level functions. So we're not going in and tutoring. We're not right. sitting down and doing algebra homework. Right. We're really developing those underlying skills. And briefly, I'll, I'll go over them if, if you know, the audience will visualize with me. Um, if you think about a ladder, there's three primary rungs below academic skills. So the bottom rung, the foundation, and this mirrors brain development would be like core learning skills. Core learning skills are foundation for movement and attention. Mm -hmm. So there's primitive reflexes are housed there. The basis for our visual system, our auditory system, our attention system. Often kids that have diagnoses like ADHD or autism have issues at that core learning level. A lot of times the symptoms you'll see will be physical. They have poor coordination, right. they have trouble sitting still, things like that. So that's the very bottom rung that we work on. The next rung up would be processing skills. So auditory processing, visual processing, processing speed, memory. If any of those processing skills are affected, you're going to have learning challenges at the top. And those are kind of your go-to automatic skills to help you process information. And then a little bit higher is executive function, which is the buzzword right now, especially mm -hmm. during virtual learning. Everyone's um, talking executive about. function skills, yeah. what we're seeing our students are lacking because they are kind of having to be little college students right now with virtual learning. And they shouldn't have the executive function skills that a college student has in place. And so executive function skills are skills that also can be retrained. And if they're weak, they can be causing academic interference. So our programming really concentrates on those bottom three rungs and most heavily really on the bottom two, core learning skills and processing skills. And so what we do is really cognitive training, those underlying skills so that the academics, the behavior, the functioning improves. And what I so very clearly remember from having Jill on the podcast was the amount of just how data-driven this entire process is and how she built it. And she was the first to say, look, I'm not the first person doing this. I've been doing it a long time, you know, 30 plus years. And I remember her, you know, talking about the different programs that she wanted to use and looking at the research and evidence-based kind of background of each of those so that she was able to get the learning profile of a child and really be able to, you know, have this kind of a la carte. And that visualization just, I'm sure, rings so true for so many of the parents that are listening is those key rungs that, you know, oftentimes are developed when the child is very, very young, but things can happen that, such as trauma, right, that can kind of affect that. I know one of my clients is at one of the soul learning centers, and, and that is the root of a lot of the issues that he was having. And just in the amount of time that he's been with Stoll since the summer, parent has seen such great improvements in his attention. And what I love about the program is, like I said, it's very data-driven. So it's like, here's the end date for this, you know, section one, and then we're going to start getting into section two. Because I think that sometimes when parents think about tutoring, it's just like, oh, they just need a little bit of, you know, remediation in here. But if you're not addressing the underlying issues, the kid's not even ready for tutoring or for any right. remediation. Right. And I think that's what's really unique about you guys. Yeah. It's like, I'm not coming to you for algebra homework, right? The no. kiddos are almost kind of doing like exercises 
realizes, right? Is that how you kind of describe it? Like if a parent had come in and been like, okay, well, what am I doing, right? Like, and also if you could talk about, are you doing virtual? Are you doing in-person? What's that kind of looking like now? Is there a difference? I would love to know more about that. Sure. I'll have Chantel start just because she is on the ground. She is, you know, in the center every single day um, physically. So mm-hmm. part of that question. Go ahead, Chantel. <laughs> yeah. So yes, right now we are offering on-site. So if a student wants to be completely on-site, we're offering that. We're also offering hybrid sessions. So um, a student can be partially, you know, remote and partially on-site and then completely remote sessions as well. Yes. So it does look different. So we've been doing a lot of playing around. I know Lauren's been in on a lot of remote sessions and just refining it and making it really, you know, the same quality as on site. And so we have a lot of different programs. So like what Lauren was talking about, some of the programs are like actual exercises where the students are working with the clinicians to do exercises. And then, you know, we have other programs where the student is doing like brain games is what it feels like where Mm -hmm. um, it's on a metronome and it's really going after attention and just engagement and processing speed and all that stuff. So uh, we do a lot of also audio vocal training. So what that involves is a lot of headphone and mic work. And then there's just a lot of variety of programs, but a lot of reading programs that we do, depending on what the students need. We remotely, we do the same programs, but they're just a little tailored so that it can be done virtually. I know Lauren's been in watching a lot of those, but you know, what we've noticed and what's been really cool is that students stay engaged and it's the same level of fun and the same level of engagement that we would have on site which is really great. And it, it just makes, you know, everything that much easier because when this all started, we were like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be crazy. It's going to, we have to revamp everything. And it actually turned out, you know, to, to run really smoothly. And now we're just really working to get the most out of it. So, yeah. That's helpful to know, considering these kids are already in front of screens so much as it is. The last thing you want is them had to be on screen another, like, I mean, I already have so many students who are just shutting their computers. They're done. They're, you know, so they need to be engaged in order, you know, for it to not be a chore. Right. Absolutely. The thing that we have seen really with our model that has worked so well is the relationship. You know, kids are in online school and they're one of 25, 35 boxes on the screen and teachers lecturing and they might have their camera on, they might have it off, who knows? And so there's not that engagement factor that there used to be when we had in-person learning. And so our kids, you know, when we first had the initial lockdown, you know, we scrambled and we got them online and we were kind of worried, you know, what are attention skills going to look like in our sessions? And we were so surprised how attentive our kids were because it was their person because they had this relationship, because they had this one-on-one attention with their clinician that it made the sessions go so much smoother, much smoother even than their online classes. The relationship is key and it is the piece that our kids are missing right now with online school that parents are trying so hard to provide those opportunities as much as they can during this time and still be safe. But you can't replace, you know, in-person school with friends mm-hmm. and recess and things like that. I mean, it's just, it's not the same. So that's yeah. been really surprising to see how excited our students have been to attend their sessions with us because of that one-on-one relationship. That's really great. And so you guys have a demo for us? 
for our listeners? We yes. do. We do. Yes. So this can be used. So it's a demo. It could be, it is an activity that we would do with a student and we can do it remotely and we can also do it, we do it in person. But I like this opportunity of doing this kind of remotely over Zoom because for our listeners, it'll give you an idea of what it's like to be a student on a Zoom session right. and maybe a student that has difficulty with learning attention, auditory processing. And Perfect. so I want everybody to play along okay. and just to kind of put yourself in kind of that mindset that you're a student, you're a student that's in sixth grade and you're trying to listen to your teacher and do the best job you can for this activity. All right, here we go. This is attention tape for a fast condition. You will hear a series of locations. Press the buzzer each time you hear the name of a place that is located anywhere south of the place that precedes it. For example, you would press the buzzer if you heard the place North Africa, followed by South Africa, or San Francisco, followed by Los Angeles. You would not press the buzzer, however, if you heard the place Argentina, followed by Miami, because Miami is not south of Argentina. Okay. Ready? Okay. Begin. Washington State. Mexico, California, Oregon, Maine, Wisconsin, New Mexico, Arizona, Southwestern U.S., Northwestern U.S., America, Canada, North America, Texas, Idaho, Alaska, North Pole, Alaska, Kansas, Mexico, United States, Los Angeles, Rhode Island, Florida, Maryland, New York, Canada, Georgia, North Dakota, South Dakota, Michigan, Louisiana, Bahamas, Iceland, Tennessee, Canada, North America, Texas, Idaho, Alaska, Greenland, North Pole, Equator, South Pole, England, Australia, Canada, U.S., South America, South Pole, Washington State, Texas, Mexico, America, Colorado, Wisconsin, Midwest, Western Hemisphere, Southeast U.S., New York, Northeast U.S., East Coast, Washington, D.C., U.S. Capitol, North America. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was going to say, make it stop. <laughs> I didn't even know what I was doing, like, until maybe three quarters of the way. And then you, like, right. stopped. You're, like, thinking is this still really going on? Yeah. And then that the time it took you to think that you lose, I was like, wait, what did he just say? A hundred percent. That's what these, I thought, um, well, first I thought right. it was going to be like, here's just two. I didn't know, think it was going to keep going, going, going. And so then I was like, what are we doing? I'm so confused. I don't. And then I kept thinking about how bad at geography. I think I am. Oh, I am. <laughs> I a hundred percent knew I was going to be bad at it, but I was like, wait, what are we doing? I, oh, it was awful. Yeah. 
So think about that. And so the purpose, this is a program called APT, Attention Process Training. It is one of the many programs that we do if it is appropriate for a student. So we would not take a little six-year-old who maybe has hyperactivity and have them do this, you know, this program. It's not appropriate. We may be working with a high schooler or an adult that is really working to refine their attention. But it's designed, the man who recorded all of these wonderful recordings is designed to have this very monotone, boring voice. Because, you know, as soon as it came on, I don't know if anybody else felt this way. I mean, it's just like, yeah, I'm not going to listen to that. Or like, (laughs) I'm not engaged with that. Yeah. Yeah. And so a little bit of what online learning could be like, if it's the same old, same old, or if it's a teacher that a lot of teachers are just recording their lectures and playing it for the students. So it gives a little bit of that, that you know it's going to be boring. And so already our engagement is lowered. And then, yes, we give directions one time and we begin. So then it's, wait, I didn't get it. Wait, you're going, okay. And then the sustained attention component that it's about each activity is is approximately three minutes. We do have some that are longer. And as the activity continues, your attention is stressed more and more. And I don't know if anybody else, you know, if if you really try to play along when we do this in session, he's talking about a buzzer. There actually is a clicker. Mm -hmm. Or you could just tap, you know, when we're doing it via Zoom, we have the student click or tap on their device or something like that, just so that we know that they're responding to the appropriate stimuli. And as the, the the purpose of the activity is to strengthen sustained attention, that as we continue with this activity, you can stay engaged. And I don't know how anybody else felt, but I even, and I've done this activity a million times, I mean, I checked out about three quarters of the way of just like, yeah, I'm just not going to visualize anymore, you know, yeah. because yeah. That, yeah, it required too many skills for me. And so with our kids that have learning our attention challenges, that is a lot of times what it feels like to be performing an activity that you don't have the skills to perform. Oh, and then you're, you're yeah. in your head, like focused on, I got that wrong, or I can't do this. You're worried more about not having the skills than being able to even pay attention. And even if it's not about getting the answer right or wrong, you're still in your head about it. I mean, I, yeah, of course, that's how these kids are, are experiencing their learning and there's usually no stop to it. I think there's not as many natural breaks that there might be, you know, in a physical classroom, the teacher is going to walk around. There's not to mention that there's more visuals in the actual classroom. There's more time for the, you'd have brain breaks, I think, than in in things like that. Like I, I felt fatigued just listening to that. It was long. (laughs) Yeah. And that was three minutes. So imagine, you know, our school days for our kiddos, they might have a 50 minute, Zoom meeting, you know, I mean, our kids are having a hard time, even, you know, neurotypical kids without any, you know, learning or attention challenges are having a difficult time staying engaged with virtual learning, but more so with our kids that are struggling that have these, these deficiencies. I mean, absolutely. Well, thank I, you for playing along. Yeah, no, I mean, I couldn't even look because, like, Chantel was, like, nodding her head, and I was like, oh, were we supposed to be buzzing something? And then I was like, oh, I can't look at her because then I'm going to – and then I was like, am I shaking my head out? It was – yeah, like, I don't even think I understood the directions till we're, like, more than three-quarters of the way there. No, that's a great exercise. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. This always happens in IEP meeting where there's a teacher and it's just like, well, I don't know why he doesn't write in his planner. I don't know why he doesn't just turn in his homework. And it's like, unless you have that same executive functioning deficit, you're not going to understand. And I, we literally have to say that in a meeting. It's like, if you don't like you and you don't have to like 
understand it and like experience it yourself. All you have to know is that this child has an issue with that and we need to figure out how to help. And I think that's like the most frustrating thing for Amanda and I, because you're not going to make anybody care that doesn't care. And the best teachers are the ones that have a child with ADHD. They themselves have ADHD. They always come to the table with like 50 different types of things that they're doing, right? And they're not just doing it for this kid. They're doing it for the entire class. And those are, you know, the eccentric, you know, music teachers or world history teachers or science teachers that, you know, really have to be dynamic at times um, for the kiddos. But you could very easily do that in English or math. Like I know a lot of times it's hard for math teachers to, in my experience, probably not all math teachers are like this because I had some wonderful (laughs) math teachers back in my day. But uh, the trend lately has just been this just very literal, like it needs to be like this. And I think that's just a wonderful example of trying to at least put the person in that moment right of what it's like and I'm sure some people do really great on it you know and some people you know like Amanda (laughs) and I check out but I would love to hear back from our listeners like send us a message (laughs) on Instagram or Facebook as to how you did that yeah and yeah that I really appreciate that how can a parent get more information about you guys the online learning the in-person what where can they go to get more information Well, we have a lot of resources. I would say if a parent is concerned about their own child and wants to speak to someone, um, go to our website, stollcenter.com, S-T-O-W-E-L-L, center.com, and they can schedule a free consultation with a learning specialist. You might talk to Chantel. You might talk to me even. You'll speak with somebody that is really knowledgeable about learning and attention challenges, and we really want to hear you know, what you're seeing at home, just history and background and things like that, so that we can advise you on, you know, the next steps to take. So that would be a great place to start. We have a a number of resources. I mean, the silver lining about COVID is that we love to support parents and we've kind of launched some things to really help us still be connected because that is something that we lost, not, you know, always being together in a physical space. That activity we just did, we used to do during workshops and seminars, and you would have the social factor of like the person that got it all right, and then everybody hates them in the room, (laughs) you know? And so we started a weekly uh, broadcast, Tuesday mornings at 10 o'clock on Facebook Live and YouTube Live called LD Expert. And that is a show that Jill Stoll hosts, and we have various professionals on doing interviews, and it's a resource for parents. So you can Check that out on soulcenter.com slash LD expert. You can check out all our past episodes and future episodes. Next week, we have a doctor that is going to be looking at brain scans and ADHD and how stress affects attention. So that's a resource for parents. We have a private Facebook group, you know, a support group for parents of kids and teens with learning attention challenges that I run. And so anybody is welcome to join. We do have, you know, some qualifying questions so that we don't get spammed with yeah, ray yeah. bands and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. That's from <laughs> SLC Mom Squad can join that as well. So, but our, our website does have, you know, a variety of resources, but I would definitely start with the free consultation if you're specifically thinking about your child needing help. Awesome. Yeah, well, thank you guys so much for being on and for that great demo. I think it's always good to get kind of, I mean, this is hands-on, but it's as hands-on as we can get in these days, right? Um, ears on. There you ears go. on. That's yeah. a good way to say it, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for having us.
Thank you. And we hope you guys enjoyed. Please check out their website and the great parent resources that they have. And we will talk to you later. Bye. Bye.